and welcome to the Rally Podcast. We're stoked that you're here. We hope that this would be a tool to help you pursue the presence of God, people, and the ways of Jesus. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy. Good morning, good evening, good night, whatever you're doing right now. Uh, welcome to another Rally Roundtable. My name is Austin Duffy. I'm going to be your host today, and I'm living out a lifelong dream of getting to interview my pastor, my rabbi, for lack of a better word, Tyler Tatum. Tyler, tell us a little bit about yourself. Get out of here with that. My name's Tyler Tatum. I'm a pastor here um, at New Spring, and I've, you know, for a long time worked with students, uh, young adults, you know, done a lot of things all over the board, married, have two sons. And I am kind of a Bible nerd, and hopefully that will be enjoyable for this conversation. But if not, then I apologize now, and the next one will be better. No doubt. And um, I, I'd say Tyler's been a rabbi to me because literally Tyler has been discipling me for 17 years. We That's were talking wild. about that a minute ago. I thought about that when I woke up this morning. When I was in fifth grade at this church in whatever Kidspring was called before it was called Kidspring, it was a few different things. You 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 can tell the people what it was called. You remember was Encounter it or, or, or Journeyland? Majestic I think it or was something like that. Journeyland like, sounds right. Something like that. Uh, Mom, if you're watching, you would know for sure. It's before she got a hold of it. Really. That's true. Before she fixed it. And uh, <laughs> and uh, Tyler was like there for me when I was in middle school. I used to bring my iPod to the church and be like, Tyler, put good music on it. And so Tyler That's put right. me on a lot of good music. I won't expose the kind of things he put me on, but it was all really Please good don't. and. Uh, I still listen to a lot of it today. So basically, Tyler made me. I lived with Tyler for a short stint when I was 18. And so, dude, you've meant so much to me, and I'm excited for the people to get to hear that. And I wanted, wanted to let them know that I'm like a fanboy. I'm a Tyler Tatum fanboy. Whatever. Um, I'm excited about this. Our fan club meets on Thursdays at 6 for Tyler. So just DM me, and I'll get you the invite, the official invite. So, Tyler, we've been in this uh, season at Rally all about how the future is now and trying to connect just the reality of the thing that God is like doing and doing forever, it affects today and, it, and we can experience it right now. Um, and I'm curious when you hear that phrase, when you hear that, that uh, those words, the future is now, where does it take your mind and what does it mean to you? So for me, when I first start thinking about, because there's so, so much that that can mean, right? Like the actual physical future in the world, which, you know, not a fortune teller. So I don't know that there's so much in the Bible that we see too about the future that God's planned, that God's ordained. Um, but also there's a lot of speculation there, a lot of theological debate there. So the place I like to start is what my ultimate reality, my ultimate future is going to be. Mm. And what I know about that, what the Bible makes clear is that there will be some point in my life where after I die physically, most likely, depending on your interpretation, meaning, you know, Jesus comes back before. But when I die physically, sure, yeah. at some point I will stand in front of Jesus. And when I stand in front of Jesus, my future will be that I will give an account to him for my life. And I think a lot of times this is used to like create fear in people. It's not meant to be scary. It's meant just to be serious. And I'll stand in front of Jesus. I will give an account for my life. And so, so often when I think about the future, I like to practically daily think about, I'm going to stand in front of Jesus one day. Am I going to be proud of what I'm giving an account for? Because I, there, there is a way to live a life that you can be proud of what you're going to give an account for, and that's how I want to live my life. That's really good. So you see the the future reality of standing in front of a fullness <clears throat> of God and um, giving an account right. and knowing that as well, even now, you know God is with you. Jesus right. can see you. His eyes are on you. And so you can uh, you know live in light of, 
that eternity and make those decisions right now. And I think that this is something that I've heard you talk about yeah. so much for so many years. You, you call it delayed gratification, call it, and, and I know that this is getting into some other stuff here, but always, Tyler, you play the long game. You play the long game with people, you play the long game with whatever it is. And so I think with your life, if we want to look really big picture, what you're talking about is playing the long game yep. and knowing that you're going to make decisions now that are going to ultimately echo in eternity in a way that really, really matters. Um, and so my question for you to like elaborate on some of that, what would you say to somebody who's like, hey, um, so at that point, like, is that when God decides if he's going to save you or not based on how you did? Because uh, I think that some people's right. brains go straight there like, oh, I got to give an account. I, I remember being in like elementary school and thinking that when I died, I was going to watch my life as a movie with God and he was going to like give me notes or something. I don't yeah, know if anyone else had that, that like trip, you know? So yeah, some right. people really believe that. I don't know if someone told, told me that. <laughs> um, so what would you say to somebody who's like, hold on, wait a second. Like, is, is, is this about works? Right. So I, I would say that one, just the, the idea between works and grace that save us, that can be a confusing thing in the Christian life. And because people so staunchly take up sides on both parts of the aisle right there, potentially, um, you know, people believe all kinds of crazy things. I'd say that this account um, stands apart from salvation and what that is. The Bible at least looks clear like there's a couple of different judgments. And in one judgment that it talks about at the end of Revelation and how much is symbolic, how much isn't, I don't know. But it makes it clear that if you're saved, your name is in this, you know, book that God keeps that is called the Lamb's Book of Life throughout scripture. Um, and that stands apart from the judgment I'm talking about. Um, you know, so many things I want to say, but I'm just going to press towards maybe the this people, is really helpful. Though. Maybe the people want some level of, you know, in times content later uh, that, that we could, talk I think we're going to get into that a little bit today because okay. you know, if the future is now, we need to start with the end in mind. Well, maybe that's coming. So why don't you unpack a little bit of what do you think about the end of the world, Tyler? Let's just go all the way there. Oh my gosh. Cause maybe we should actually work from that space if everyone's okay with that. So here's, here's the way I see it at least. Um, there's so much we could talk about. So okay. much. So one, all right, we'll jump through all the millennium stuff. If people want that kind of the content, let somebody know in the rally world and we'll, okay. they'll make it happen at some point okay. in time. And if it just bores you, then you don't have to worry about it. But at some point in time, Jesus Christ will physically return to this earth period. And when Jesus Christ physically returns to this earth, everyone who's ever lived will be resurrected. And this idea exists in the old Testament, not Jesus is going to come and people are going to be, but the idea of a resurrection exists in the old Testament. The idea was prevalent by the time Jesus was here. Jesus clarifies that one day everyone who's ever lived will rise from the dead and the bible makes it clear that jesus will return everyone who's ever lived will rise from the dead and everyone will stand before god and give an account and the first judgment that if you are in christ and he has covered your sin you will make it through that judgment because the bible says that your name is in this book called the lamb's book of life and then again, I don't know if this is symbolic, if it's actual physical, but there's all these other books, you know, there. And so without getting into the nitty gritty, I do think that the purpose of those other books in that judgment is there is some level of telling, not just tracking all the wrong stuff everyone's ever done, but there will be no one who stands in judgment before God and says, that's not fair. So a lot of people were like, is it fair if God does this or does that? Or is that person saved? Is this person saved? And 
what I like to say is like, God hasn't, you know, God is the judge and he hasn't given me that job, not for people's salvation. So I don't like to say or get into who is and isn't saved, but I do know clearly that no one will stand in front of God and accuse him of that being unjust. All right. So that's judgment for salvation. Good. There appears to be in the New Testament another level of judgment where we stand in front of Christ and give an account for what we did with the life he gave us. So this, our salvation is not on the line right here, but it does look like this plays into what eternity looks like as far as just, we say heaven, but when you're living in a new heaven and new earth, what, you know, because you're not just going to be like on a cloud playing a harp. You know, you're going to be living, you're going to have life, you're going to have a fuller life than you have right now. And the things you do now will impact that life then. And Christ will stand with us and we'll give an account just for what we did with what he gave us. And so I think that's important to think about because a lot of times I start to worry about things that Christ didn't give me, like, I'll just worry about maybe what someone else is doing, the decision someone else is making. And I'll feel like I have insight and I just have to realize I'm, I'm only going to stand and give an account to Christ for what I did with that insight. I have given it to some, Hey, Austin, think about this, but you're going to stand and give an account for what you do with that information. And so I don't have to worry about it past me being faithful to what God's given me because I'm not going to stand for Christ for the decisions you're making necessarily. So interesting. So fascinating. And there's, well, yeah, like you said, so much you could say. So much. So much scripture you could read to unpack so much of that. And, and sure, there's there's different takes and stuff. But I think that's really cool how that's brought into your world and how you think about right. those things. So so that's obviously so cosmic and so <laughs> like uh, almost untouchable, it feels like. Right. At, on on the surface, but really, you know, how do you uh, take that into the way that you function in your neighborhood or with your kids' friends or Beautiful. you know what? Beautiful. Yeah, so, go there. All right, so I can go there then as well because all right, so now all right, let's say you start reading through the Gospels and you just start maybe you're new to it and you start looking at the words that Jesus is saying. One of the things that he talks about a ton is the kingdom of God. And this phrase he uses specifically is the kingdom of God is at hand. And there was a light bulb that went off in my head the first time someone pointed out to me that the kingdom is at hand doesn't mean that the kingdom's about to be here, right? That's not, the, that's not what that word means, even though in English it seems like it might. What it actually means is the kingdom is so close you can touch it. Mm. And so there is this um, here already but not yet kingdom. And so we can start with the end in mind. Now, hey, we're going to send for Jesus for all of this, but that's just going to be the fulfillment, the marrying of Beautiful, this yes. kingdom of heaven and kingdom of earth. Actually, so I wasn't planning on sharing this at all, but it, Ephesians, like I think, just articulates this so perfectly. The end of chapter one. Chapter one has so much great stuff, but I'm going to read a little Bible right here. Um, so talking about what God has done for us in Christ. So it says he has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. So this is God's will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. So this plan's coming, right? Um, the plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And so this plan for the fullness of time doesn't mean that just one day, snap, it all happens and now it's all together. It means that there is a journey towards heaven and earth overlapping and unifying. Completely. And we've got to do that. 
every day of our lives, we're bringing the kingdom of God to bear on earth. Mm. That's what we do. We're getting in line with that trajectory. Because exactly it's happening right. either way. Exactly. Heaven exactly and earth right. are colliding, and right. there's going to be a fullness of you know the marriage of the Lamb, or, or however you right. want to talk about right. it. And that's us. You know, We are that bride. And yes. so it's like getting in the jet stream of it. Absolutely. We, we want to be so binary with how God works. Either it's here or it's not. And so, so many people don't see this overlap as something that happens in the mm. fullness of time. This is something right? that I've been like studying a little bit with how, especially in Western world, we think about things black and white, where right. especially, you know, Easterners think about the story, the meta narrative. They see some, they, they learn, um, and I'm talking about ancient writings mostly, yeah. it, you know, these beautiful poems that it's not, it's not meant to be exactly black and white, but we read everything that way. So how how right. how do you understand the big story? How do you understand the big picture in a world that wants to be so black and white about things? Right, it does, and that's the world versus, we live in. Like that's even the so so the one thing I think to even point out that that I think is helpful to see is black and white. So think we watch movies and there's a good guy and a bad guy. Yeah, and then we read the Bible, and we're reading like we're was Samson a good guy or a bad guy? Because it doesn't tell us. We just want to say Samson was a superhero yeah, right. or he was a supervillain and. Here's what is how his life played out. The Bible and these writers intentionally make it ambiguous to if someone is good or bad in the story, because they want us to have to engage our brains and think about it, right? I mean that is an intentional thing. In Whoa, hold scripture. on, Tyler. Are you telling us that we should think about and ask questions of the Bible? Again, that's that is that's scary. <laughs> that's scary stuff, my guy. It is scary. You need stuff. to be careful with that. I'm just right. kidding, but this is this. No, I, it's true. Yes, you're opening a door to talk about deconstruction a little bit, which I think is such a hot topic. And I just want to encourage you to like jump into that. Oh whole, man, you know how because we're in a a weird space right. and time where you, it's okay it's okay to ask questions or it's not okay. And, right. And there's some things that need to be off the table and some things that need to be on. And there's right. open handed and there's closed handed. And it feels like everything has to go through this process right now. So how, how do we make peace with that in light of all the things you're talking about? So I think what we have to do is, one, know this. We have to ask questions. Have to. Um, the only people are afraid of asking questions. They feel like it, they might be full of faith. They're like, I don't need to ask any questions. And you don't need to ask any questions either. But that actually the people who are afraid of questions are people who don't have faith because they think when they start digging to the bottom of whatever – they, I'm going to get to the bottom of science and realize God's not real, and I would rather be ignorant than know God's not real. Mm-hmm. And so if they're not positive God's real at the bottom of science or philosophy or ethics or whatever they're going to talk about, then or the, the Bible's not there, then they're going to be afraid of it and not want you to do it either. All right, that's not true. If that's true, if God's not at the bottom, I want to know that now because I'm not trying to give my life to this. All right, so you can ask questions. But what's happened is the church has been afraid of people asking questions because the church has been afraid of people asking questions. They don't encourage people to learn how to ask good questions. So then people grow up, and they, especially early teen years, teenage years, they're not really asking questions at church or to people who know. They're maybe on Google, they're maybe, or they're maybe not asking anything. And then potentially in, in what can be the most critical, and by critical I don't mean just like important, but just these years when we are critical because that's part of just how we develop as people is we develop criticisms to things that we've learned and known, then they'll start asking questions of God in scripture, but it won't be with a spirit to learn. It'll be with a spirit to critique what we don't like about it. Mm. And if we do it with a spirit that we want to critique what we don't like about it, then you can already see the end in sight. And most people I know 
I want to be gentle right here because it's not. This isn't binary either. It's not like people who deconstruct their faith and people who don't. But the people I've seen take really scary paths down deconstruction start with their end in mind that they're going to land in a place that's going to set them against all the Christians they don't like before or all the Bible beaters that they don't like before or different than what their parents told them. And so they start with a spirit of wanting to be critical and deconstruct their faith um, versus wanting to get to the bottom of how the universe works and exists and what the Bible really says and means. And then most people, I mean, Caleb White, from from the time that we are doing this, Caleb in the last few days has has he's put up this idea. So he's a pastor here. I think a lot of people would be aware of who he is. Um, but he said, hey, what most people don't need is to deconstruct their faith. They actually need to construct their faith. Because really what most people are deconstructing are what their parents told them, what their youth leaders told them, what their preachers told them. But it's not what they actually believe. And so the first thing to do is actually get some pillars of faith. You know? So that's really good. And it, and that almost feels like a bit of a prerequisite to let the future actually impact <clears throat> your now. Because if you've got the wrong thinking about God, about the Bible, right. then you're gonna read things in a way that is black and white that's actually harmful because right. it's untrue or you're you're right. putting yeah, so much of the problems that we have is just misunderstanding and not being willing to ask questions and not being open to people, you know, teaching you something new. <laughs> exactly right. And but that is what people think about the future and expect about the future drives so much of life. It, yeah, it's I everything. mean, it drives everything, whether you realize it or not. It's either your obsession with it or your lack of your or your apathy towards it. Absolutely. There are seasons in my life where my apathy about you know what's happening in five years. I was like, I live for five minutes. You know, you knew that, Austin. <laughs> No and, and so much of the meme, like maturing and stuff is starting to lift my head and be like, let me dream about 55-year-old Austin, you know? And you you taught me so much of that, Tyler. So, so, so much of that. Absolutely. And that's what I think our heart would be for young adults, you know, that are listening to this podcast or whoever's uh, watching this online, is that, you know, you would connect these right. realities of what's happening in the future and the choices you're making today and thinking very practically about it. But we've got to get a good frame of mind. Absolutely. As Can you, I- yeah, please. So a, a really just practical thing, maybe if people are listening to this who have questions about their faith, they're like, I don't know if I like what I believe. Maybe I have just agreed with everything my parents ever told me or so. I don't know if that's true or not. So how do you get in a safe space to ask questions? I think this is absolutely where you've got to find some mentors in your life that um, know the Bible, that are not afraid of you asking them questions. And then thirdly, they exhibit the fruits of the spirit and are people you want to be like, mm. because if you, they don't have to know all the answers, but they can provide a safe space and they're older than you for you to ask questions. That is going to go a long way. And it's going to put you in a safe space to really start poking and prodding at your faith. Mm. But that's one of the biggest things is what we'll do is start listening to the loudest or potentially meanest person in the conversation um, and there's something, at least with guys, sometimes there's something, if someone is just shredding someone in a debate or whatever, we just like, that rises something up, you know, up in me at least. Sometimes I'm like, oh man, that is right. That is dead on. But that is not the way of Christ, Mm-mm. you know? And so we've got to evaluate when we're taking in new ideas from people or do these ideas lead to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, or has this created a critical, bitter spirit in someone and I need to stay away from that? Mm. That's really good. Yeah. And I think it, 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 it reminds me of even just, you know, Jesus saying, you've heard it said, you know, hate your neighbor, like pick a side and be mad 
at something, but I say to you, love your enemy. Right. And, you know, the power in that statement <clears throat> is Jesus saying, when you love an enemy, they're no longer your enemy anymore. They're, exactly They're right. no longer sides. And there's a way that you can, you know, live and exist in all these tensions that we're talking about and not have this clenched fish where you're ready to bash people about right. whatever I mean, or defend or we're so offended and defending uh, of everything that that we believe and we're ready to just snap right at, and it culture has been ready to snap more than ever i'm guilty of it right we live kind of triggered well we have to know what our how to actually wage war the way god gave us how did he what you did know? he tell us to do tyler exactly tell us. right well he, again i think the essence of so much spiritual battle one is prayer that's like the biggest thing prayer identity but really the fruits of the spirit it's so easy to see those things as soft and they are correct me if i get any wrong you might know this better uh, than me from a young age i think there's no love one. joy peace are three hey. three short words three middle words three long words oh, that's, that's how i remember good. love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control Come that's on. ESV. Nailed if it. Do you uh, have any questions? So, uh, but again, that's so for my son right now. Every single day that I take him to school, what's your name, Josiah? Who are you? I'm the strong man of God. Now we've added, what does that mean? It means he knows where his strength comes from. Number, and I'm like, we'll get into all the nuances of that later, son. That's but amazing. right now, as a as a six year old, this is what you need to know. Two, it means you have the courage to do the right thing all the time. And three, what we've most lately added is you know how to fight. And there's something about being a man that does, but ultimately what I mean is in prayer and love and in the face of someone giving you something that there's a spiritual reality behind it, you're going to look at them and love them and have joy and mm -hmm. kindness and peace in a way that's going to disarm the work of Satan. Mm -hmm. And that there is an intensity and violence to that to holding on to that, that people, if they understood, they'd be so much ready to step into spiritual battle. That's so cool. That's so good. Awesome. How blessed is Josiah, guys? That's that's amazing. And Let's hope he there's says definitely the same. something for, yeah, I'm sure he will. Uh, that's awesome, Ty. And and I'm, I'm, let me, like, we started at the very, very end. Right. So let me go all the way to the beginning. Right. Okay. So I'm uh, thinking about how these things connect and we we talk a lot about this idea of ruling and reigning we talk a lot about this idea of dominion and you know god says you know fill the earth and multiply you know fill the earth and subdue it is what he says and you know go and make stuff and we've talked about um you know there's this book garden city that's pretty great we're talking about how yeah. it starts in a garden and we're moving towards the city or maybe you think it's going back to a garden however you want to slice it clearly humans are given some responsibility here and so right. we've talked about all this different stuff, but I think so much of the the question that people are asking is, what do I need to do today? Like, how do I make a decision about my job? How do I make a decision about, um, you know, who I'm supposed to date? How do I, and, and is there something about that thing that God says right at the beginning about fill the earth and subdue it? Or what is God's intention for humanity right at the beginning? And what can we still hold on to and use as we continue to move towards that future reality? Right. So I think all three of these things will come to play right here is one humanity and scripture. Like God makes the spiritual realm and spiritual beings. God makes the physical realm, the universe, the earth and physical beings. And then God makes one being that we see that is both physical and spiritual. And that is mankind, man and woman. And so we're connected to both worlds. And so in Genesis, I think we see Adam and Eve specifically in the story with, one, a relationship with God, 
that sin fractures, but a relationship. And we see them with a purpose or job. And that was to take what was in Eden and make the rest of the world look like this. And this was, I believe, the initial plan for that plan for the fullness of time, the things of heaven and things on earth to be fully united. That was Adam and Eve's job. They were ruling, they had dominion over the earth to make the earth look like heaven or the spiritual realm. And at sin, both of those things were fractured. But in Christ, both of those things we have back. We have our spirit. We're born again, so spirit comes alive. We are reestablished into connection with God, and then we have a purpose and goal in life, and that's the ministry of reconciliation. It is So every single day we have to say, how do I bring heaven to earth today? Mm. Right? And so that, I mean, there's so much, but then you have to think, hey, when I think about heaven, what do I think exists there? Right? And then... How do I make what's around me look more like that? And that's oh, what we do. And that heaven, the first place that heaven and earth collide for us is us. You it, know, God exactly is right. God is unveiled exactly as a, right. a, a greater and final temple, and it's our body. Yes. You know? And it's like I'm made of bone and flesh, and I used to live inside of my mother, and I came out in a very, you know, I'm dust, but also I'm spirit. You know, yes. I am like, and this is exactly what you're talking about. So you've got to realize that that's true about you yeah. first. And then the, the, the thing that you, I know, I know where this originates, but you say it a lot too, Tyler, is that the answer for the world around you is the world within you. Right. And so if we can have a better understanding of the spirit man or woman that we are of this, this so physical, like the physical is so real and so yes. spiritual at the same time. And these are so tied together that we can start to let those things affect how we look at people. Or yes. That's, that, that's, yes. That's true about every person that you come into contact with. That's true about whatever you're going to do with your job. You may like, you may take the, the image in my head is you may be a garbage person that goes and take, does waste management. There's something spiritual about that. No There's doubt. something spiritual about taking care of the earth. And there's a way and a perspective that you can have that is bringing the kingdom that is getting in line with that trajectory that you talked so much about. Absolutely. Well, I think God's put in every person's heart this desire to see the world look like heaven. Yeah. I mean, that that's just true when you think, hey, so do you good. want people to be sick or hurt or be in pain or not have enough to survive? Hopefully everyone's answer or most people instinctually, their answer is going to be, no, I hate those things. And the problem is, especially now, we've become entitled to just think things should exist like that outside of ourselves. And then we want it to be someone else's job. The church should be doing more right here. The government should be doing more right here. This organization should be doing more right here. And the story of the gospel is for those of us who Christ is in us, it starts with us. And we pull the mirror in front of us and we look at it and say, how can I bring the kingdom of heaven to bear today? Mm. Because when believers do that, they don't outsource it to, you know, whoever the president is or you know, whoever the pastor is, right? but they take ownership and say, I have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of me. I am a temple of God, and I can bring the kingdom of heaven to bear in the world around me. That's right. That, and, and literally your job doesn't matter, right? I mean, it does matter. It matters greatly, but you can have any job pretty much and bring the kingdom of heaven to bear around you. That is so good. That's so true. And um, I think that the more that we can have that in our mind as we do whatever right. it is, we're going to not only see more fruit, but we're going to enjoy it more. Exactly right. This, you know, there's something like, uh, there's something so enjoyable about 
getting in line with what God's doing yes. and submitting ourselves to him. And at the end of the day, I think the thing that um, kind of stills in me this kind of worry of this kind of, or this fear that could drive me about, oh, I'm going to stand in front of God. That sounds really scary. Right. It's like, no, like I want to, I want to please my heavenly father. Right. I want to work right. hard for him. And you know what? Especially because I know I don't have to, there's no, there's no line where when I've done this much, then he loves me certain amount. It's just, it, it's complete and whole. And from that place, I want to, and I want to, to play with the toys that he's given me right. of this life. I mean, that's the, that reestablishment of relationship. We have to feel the father's pleasure over us or else work will be a duty and not a delight. Mm. We've got to feel how proud God is. How I do mean, you do that? How do, what would you say to somebody who, when they think about that, they get, they get scared, they get nervous and they they have a, a view of God. That's maybe a little bit off. So, so two things. One is more passive, meaning it's a little bit out of our control, but we can do things. And one is more active. So the more active thing is this, just flip a switch in your head. Like Jesus says the truth, nothing's done in the dark that won't be brought to the light. Well, a lot of times that's like fear mongering, like, oh, that thing you're looking at online, everyone's going to know about. And there might be some truth to that. Maybe, you know, a little bit of fear is in the right way is maybe not a bad thing. But what we can do is say, that means that when no one else is looking, I'm going to intentionally start doing some good things because I don't have to worry about the world seeing it. I can trust that. God is going to bring it to light. That's a big deal. But even more importantly is feeling this pleasure of God. So that's where I think it's important for us to cultivate times with God full of prayer and the word or worship, but where we just sit before God and even at like, God, what do you think about me? Let me mm. feel what you think about me. And that maybe feels ethereal and not real. Yeah, that's really cool. But I promise if you sit and wait on God to move and speak, you will hear the voice of the father and the feeling of the father speak to you. That's I mean, so cool. even, as recently as, so for me, you know, Josiah, he's six. He started playing football. And after his first football game, I mean, he, like, just played amazing. I mean, true. I saw the video. He gave this one kid the absolute business. I mean, he he he's juking kids out of their shoes. Oh, uh, who goodness. knows where it came from, but it's here. <laughs> um, and so, and I'm seriously the next morning praying and asking God, Lord, I can see how dad's, and moms can make this an idol so quickly. Like, I am so proud of my son. Am I too proud of my son? And the father really did meet me in that moment and allow me to realize that he feels that way about me. And I have that capacity to feel that way about my son. That's how the heavenly father feels about me. And he started showing me things in me that he's proud of me for. And it just like wrecked me. That's so cool. I mean, it's amazing. So you've got to make space to hear from God and use that relationship that he's given us. Mm. I was listening to somebody this morning talk about how in Genesis, God creates a, a void and asks us to fill it. Like he creates a blank canvas and says, you go fill it. Right. And that also the invitation for us today is that if we will create a void, God will fill it. Wow. And that promise goes both ways. And so that's the, you know, the value of creating that space, just like you talked about. Let me, let's, let me finish. Uh, I, we, we've got like five more minutes or okay. max, I think, because uh, because you guys got to go to class. Okay. But um, and I have a question for you after. So oh, you got to okay. leave a little bit. Of okay. Space right there. Uh, the thing I wanted to ask about was because you had got there and Tyler, you're a man that's been formed by intimacy with God. And then that's come out of a space like quiet time. Yeah. So I when I lived in this guy's house, he had that Count Zindendorf quote framed next to his bed. I remember when I, the first time I walked like into Tyler's room and I saw it just said, 
preach the gospel, die, be forgotten. I was like, whoa. Like that's the that's the right amount of like morbid but hardcore when you're like an 18 year old on fire for Jesus. We're like, right. yeah, that's it. Like, send me to Yemen. Like, right. that's the that was the mentality, you know. And um, but what I also saw up close and personal, and I was I was very fortunate to see this first from my dad for my whole life. But a guy who's gonna wake up early, and he's gonna read a lot of Bible, and you're gonna pray a lot, and you take your quiet times very very seriously. And I know that that even that has evolved through the years, what right. that looks like. And so could you speak a little bit about, you know, what is the value of personal devotion when it comes to affect, affecting the future is now and being able to see and receive all of that? Absolutely. Well, the only way you're going to be in tune with God, with the Holy Spirit, to know what does it look like to bring, like, what does it look like to actually bring the kingdom of heaven to bear is by a relationship. I mean, he is our, when we say having a relationship with Christ, that is not some like euphemism for I walked an aisle one time 15 years ago. That is a, the essence of my life is my relationship with Jesus. He talks to me. I talk to him period. And so cultivating that time because God fills empty spaces. And if we never create empty space for the voice of God to come in and fill, then we will never hear his voice. And so many people don't know God speaking to them every day because they're too busy or they don't think he wants to, or they don't think they have what it takes, you know, and God does speak to us every day. So, you know, the biggest deal is this make margin. And when I started, um, honestly, and this is for me, reading my Bible is easier than praying. Both are so important. Mm -hmm. So probably early on, when I just made the commitment to start spending daily time with God, it was like, you know, 95%, 98% read my Bible, 2% praying because prayer is hard and it's hard relief of my life is realizing prayer is hard for everybody. Right. And so you just got to work it. Um, but really over the years, understanding how to hear God through his word, spend time in his word. The word gives you a place to, even if you're not emotionally feeling it, you can open up God's the Bible you can read and you can just trust that it's doing something to you spiritually because it's Holy spirit inspired that you can't see. So this book has, has shaped my life so profoundly. I know probably more ways I haven't seen than I have seen, but over the last years is even creating margin to create space to sit and say, God, speak to me right now, or just start writing and say, God, here's what I think you're saying, you know, and I'm going to make mistakes, but that's fine. God, here's what I think you're saying to me. Spend time for prayer. List out the things I want to pray about. Ask God for more. Dream about the future. I mean, that's the future. To, so one of the things in the Bible it says is that um, faith is the essence of things hoped for. All right, so what is hope? Hope is a preferred future. So if we're never thinking about things we want to look different in the future, then it's impossible to have hope. And if we don't have hope, it's impossible to have faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Mm. And so even the practice on a daily basis of looking into the future, saying, God, what do I want to be different about my life or in the world? All right, I hope for that. All right, I'm going to have faith that comes in and fills that, and I'm going to let that fuel my life forward. Just creating spaces for that to happen is a really big deal. So I'd... I'd for a believer to make space every single day and margin to hear from God, to talk to God, to read the word, to journal, you know, it, those things are so important. And I'm not going to put a number on that space because start where you can and grow it. Everything's like a muscle. You go to the gym to work your muscles. Like, you know, like, and as you work, you get stronger. This is one of those things. Come on. That's so, so good. Great. Can I ask you a question real yes, quick? Sure. All right. You've done ministry in several different places in the world. You, you've specifically spent some time in the UK. You spent time in India, um, um, Belgium, Belgium, and, and now here. Yeah. 
in, in the United States, specifically Southeast, specifically Bible Belt. What do you think um, uniquely, or maybe not uniquely, but in 2021 here, what's the, what do you see holding people back from living lives to bring the kingdom of God here more than maybe in other places? This is a great question, and there the first thing that jumps to my mind is I've seen it be this. It's a different version of the same thing in all these places. Here, it's here. It's a different beast, and I think it is a a. We get so lulled by the spirit of religion, and I and that that's a loaded phrase because religion is not bad. I'm a religious person. Okay, but there's a way that we understand religion in the South that has absolutely stolen something from us. And what's happened in the Southeast is a, is a fantastic robbery of the enemy. It's that we have rich Christian heritage, rich Christian culture, and we are really freaking comfortable with what we see, with what we know. And it's just very kind of cash, you know. And um, I think that that was a big blessing to get to see a lot of different environments um, and other spaces where, you know, believers are actually the minority in so many spaces. And, you know, we read a Bible written by the most oppressed people group potentially in history. You know, they're, they're making the, the top top three or four, okay, is the, the Jewish people. We're talking not just Holocaust, but so many different things, slavery in Egypt, right? And they're writing about uh, stuff that we, as Americans, we live, and especially in the Southeast, you know, we live in modern day Egypt. We live in modern day Rome. Yep. And we have to understand that, you know, and I think for us to start to fuse Christianity and what it means to follow Jesus and what it means to be Southern into one space, it gets really dangerous really fast. And so that's why I buck up against different stuff. And I think I think for us and for me and for all of us, we just have to take a really good look at the person of Jesus Christ and how did he do and what was he like? And how did he function? And we've got it. We got to do exactly that. We got to do exactly that. And we don't need to um, be. We need to be comfortable in who God's called us to be. Right. Not comfortable in that we attend church. And that, it's the stuff that we've talked about for so many years. But it's just taken on new forms. I don't care that you listen to Maverick City. I don't care that you listen to these podcasts. That doesn't mean that you've got you know a, right. a real conviction in your heart about seeing the world around you change. And so I think for everybody to take it more seriously, and that there's a. Um, there's like a release that comes in that because you can start to really walk out God's plans for, for your life. It's, I don't know. That's a bit of a tangent, and there's probably a lot more that I could say much more eloquently. Uh, I probably said something wrong in that, but no does that make sense what I'm saying? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and in, and in, I would just say, you know, in other parts of the world, there's this, it's, it's, the, this, it's really maybe less, here it's religion in a southern sense, your trip, typical southern religion, but, you know, in... Um, in, 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 in India, it's Hinduism. It's like right. devout like Hinduism, and there's different things about that that are really interesting, or maybe Islam or blah, blah, blah. And so for us, I think just being a... Um, um, I'll, I'll, I'll end with this actual thought, okay? If we're supposed to... People in the, in the Old Testament, when they went to the tent of meeting or the tent of God or when they got to yeah. the tavern, to the temple, they fell down and was in awe of what was going on. And so if that was true about them, then... What should be true about when people meet you? Ooh. The new temple, the better temple, the greater temple with a fullness of God all the time, everywhere. Wow. And that doesn't mean that you've got to be so awesome or that people need to fall at your feet and worship, but there's a level of when I walk into a place, I am on a mission. 
I am, I am a dwelling place for God, and I'm going to let that change things. And I can't succumb to shame or some other thing that's going to say, oh, this is too weird. Oh, no, they already know Jesus because do they know, do they feel the living God inside of you? And so I I try to ask myself that question sometimes when I walk into a space. Cool. Well, this has been great. I don't know how long we've been talking. I could do it literally the rest of the day. I I love this man so much. I hope that that was clear, if nothing else. And uh, I know that you learned something from him. So, Tyler, thank you so much for being here. And you guys continue to to you know subscribe and tune in every week we've got rally um um, come and follow us on social media to know about your campus your places and we love you guys have a great rest of your day adios thank you thank you for joining the rally podcast we hope it encouraged you we'd love for you to be part of the rally family make sure you follow us on instagram and youtube at new spring rally so you don't miss a thing also if you'd like to connect to a campus text rally to 30303